What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Hey, welcome back to This One's a Doozy. I'm Kevin. And I'm Haley. And we talk about stories of mystery, true crime, and folklore of the unusual, unsettling, and oftentimes unsavory goings-on of our world today, yesterday, and long ago. Yes, we do. We are back with another special episode. Yep. Releasing earlier in the week. For fun? Just for fun. (laughs) Just because we can. Just because. I literally blasted this episode out. In a day. And I'm very proud of myself. Good job. I just sat down and just did it. You should be. You should be proud I am of yourself. A, I'm a very procrastinating kind of gal. Yeah. And so well, I always work in deadline mode. We joke about that all the time. <laughs> yes. Uh, deadline mode. <laughs> yes. But today I'm like, I don't have to do this, but I'm choosing to. And I'm glad I did it. And I hope you have fun with it. Yeah. Well, we need to always ask our most important first question of the day. What are you drinking? So the story we're talking about today takes place in the 90s. Mm-hmm. I spent the 90s in a very, very, very tiny town mm-hmm. where there were not a lot of exciting things to do, even as like a small, very young child. But during the summers, one of my cousins would babysit us and she'd walk us the arduous three block trip <laughs> to the, I don't even remember the name of the store, but it was a little tiny grocery store. Okay. And it had like three aisles total, like so small, (laughs) so small. But outside of the grocery store was a soda machine. And it was like the highlight when we got to go to the soda machine. (laughs) That was like the thing. Yeah. We did it like twice in the every summer. It was a big deal. And for whatever reason, the logo of the Cherry Pepsi always stood out to me. Mm -hmm. I loved the like splash art. (laughs) And so today I was like, you know what? Cherry Pepsi. I'm going to do that. Wow. Makes me feel 90s. Yeah. Yeah. That was my long-winded answer. (laughs) I do feel like Cherry Pepsi reminds me of childhood too, for some reason. Like any cherry soda, Mm -hmm. because it was like, especially back then when it wasn't so easily accessible to Mm -hmm. just get any special, like it was limited edition, but it was like a different flavor. Yeah. You didn't get that everywhere. So I, I, I resonate with that. I usually went for like an orange soda, like a crush mm-hmm. or something like that. Oh, yeah. But I remember very vividly that the button with the picture of the cherry Pepsi can always blew my mind. I yeah. thought it was like so cool. <laughs> I don't think I ever drank it as a kid, but it makes me feel like the 90s. Yeah. That's fun. What do you got to drink today? Well, I, uh, I'm, I'm going with old faithful, old reliable, <laughs> some uh, Coca-Cola. And fireball. Oh yeah. So great tastes mix. like tastes like young regret. It tastes like young regret. <laughs> <laughs> young regret or uh aged I don't know what I'm saying. Yeah, it tastes like young regret. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, well, do you have a feel good fact for us? I do. Okay. okay. So humpback whales are no longer listed as endangered species, but have conservation status. Oh. Humpback whales were wildly close to extinction in the 1950s. There were somewhere around 450 left in the whole world. But as of October of 2019, there are roughly 25,000 South Atlantic humpback whales thanks to a crackdown on commercial whaling and other conservation efforts. Wow. So the whales are coming back. That's awesome. Yeah. I, huh. That's kind of mind blowing. Humpback whales are incredible. I I remember being, I mean, we're already talking about being kids in the 90s. I remember being in elementary school, hearing how we need to save the whales and, mm-hmm. you know, even... Even things like Free Willy were almost, you could consider like propaganda-ish 
<laughs> because it's like the whole point is like, we need to protect the whales, you know? And it sounds like we've not done it, but we have definitely trended that direction. We're making strides which is cool. and I'm proud of humanity for that. Yeah. I wonder if we are just another generation away from not talking about it in like schools anymore because mm-hmm. <laughs> it like goes so successfully that yeah. it's like not a problem. I remember we had to do like, not book reports, but like reports about we could pick between however many endangered species that there were. And we had to do like a write up. Yeah. And I remember whales. I remember the picture books that we had yeah. to pick from. <laughs> well, 90s. Yeah. Oh, the 90s. Well, you have a, our, our story for this week or for this part of the week. Yes. Why don't you take us there? Okay. So we've got a, like quite a few stories coming up in the next few weeks that are pretty heavy. So I thought it would be fun and like nice for all of us if we would kind of intermittently throw out mm-hmm. some extra episodes that are like spooky focused because those are a little bit more lighthearted. So that is what my plan is. We're back with another haunted spot. We haven't done that since October. Oh, yeah. So in the 90s, a young family bought the house of their dreams in a beautiful scenic forest in Colorado Springs. But what they thought was their dream home would turn out to be a nightmare so extreme that paranormal experts have deemed it one of the only sites on the planet that they believe connects us in our world to a different one. Today, we are talking about the Black Forest Haunting. Mm Hmm. Strap in, Kev. This one's a doozy. All right. Okay, so let's talk about the Black Forest to kick this thing off. The Black Forest is an unincorporated area in the northeastern corner of Colorado Springs in El Paso County in Colorado. In 2006, residents of Colorado Springs voted against incorporating the area, and as of 2020, Black Forest has a population of around 15,000 residents. Hmm. So the Black Forest has like, I mean, that's an ominous name. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> it sounds really metal. Yes. But it's actually named after the Ponderosa pine trees, hmm. which I thought was a little fun fact. Yeah, yeah. So the Black Forest has been a thriving community since it was founded in the 1800s. On the surface, the Black Forest is pretty unassuming. It has a regional park that's frequented by outdoor enthusiasts and casual joggers and dog walkers alike. But it's on a quiet five-acre stretch where our story is focused. In 1991, Steve Lee and his wife Beth and their two sons were on a quest to find their forever home. They'd spent the last four years renting in the Black Forest area, and they were chomping at the bit to buy a home and maybe even some land that they could truly make their own. And like they they wanted to live somewhere for the long haul. They wanted roots. The family loved the Black Forest and wanted to plant their roots there. And so finally, in May of that year, they found it. The perfect home. Hmm. On Swan Road was a beautiful two-story log cabin home, and they were immediately in love with it. And so they signed the lease and moved in. What they didn't know, well, I guess one of the many things that they Mm -hmm. did not know about (laughs) the property before moving in was that the previous tenant was fully convinced that the home was haunted. Hmm. He didn't share this with anyone until later because, he, you know, he's not wanting to... Scare off potential buyers sure, on one yeah. on one hand, but on a yeah. less shady hand, he didn't want people to think he was nuts. <laughs> right. Nobody really, we yeah. talk about this a lot. Yeah. Nobody really wants to be the guy yeah. who's like, my house is haunted. Like for real, like if you really believe that, very few people are like stoked about that. We're stoked yeah. to like visit yeah. and to like theorize, but not to be the guy. So he <laughs> kept it to himself. Shortly before purchasing the home, the Lees were able to also purchase the five-acre parcel of land that the home sat on, and shortly after that, that's when things started going off the rails. The first of the eerie experiences that the Lees had started with hearing strange sounds. And I'm not talking about the normal old house sounds or the sounds of animals in the middle of the night or your everyday creaky floorboards. The first weird sounds that they had heard were the sounds of rattling chains The sounds Mm. of someone stomping across the roof. And also, this one might be the scariest to me. The family would hear orchestra music coming from no identifiable place in the home in the middle of the night. What? Orchestra music. Yeah. And they they checked. From what I found, they like checked. It wasn't like a radio malfunction or like a record malfunction or something. Just just orchestra music just playing. 
Just playing from somewhere overhead. Scary. And underneath. That's like very unnerving to me. Yeah. On top of the weird sounds, the family would all be struck with an intense smell that they described as being chemical in nature. And it was so strong that it burned their eyes, throats, and noses when they would breathe it in. Hmm. They could never find a source for the smell, but it was nearly constantly present. The two Lee kids would report seeing shadowy figures in their rooms that regularly appeared and terrified both of them. Around the house and in the woods, the family would report seeing mysterious lights, sometimes Hmm. in and around the home and sometimes deep in the unpopulated, unlit, thick forest. Oh, gosh, that just gives me the creeps (laughs) well i mean the thing that we really need to understand about the property itself is that it's literally completely isolated in Mm -hmm. the thickest portion of the black forest it's straight up in the middle of the woods yeah Yeah. so sometimes in stories like this one there's an observable cause for a lot of the seemingly inexplicable things that are going on Mm. but i don't believe that that's the case here It made no sense that someone would be using flashlights to navigate the woods near the Lee home because there was nothing nearby. Hmm. There's like really no reason for there to be any lights. It wasn't like traffic lights or cars, you know, passing by. They were in the middle of the forest. (laughs) So the strange thing about the lights inside of the home was that the lights and appliances inside would randomly flash on and off. Hmm. Sometimes it was only a few lights at a time, but it wasn't uncommon to have all of the lights in several rooms of the home erratically flipping on and off by themselves. Weird. Beth Lee recounted a specific occurrence of the wild light malfunctions like this. Quote, one day we came home and it was like the 4th of July in our living room and in our bedroom. We had all kinds of lights flashing through. Oh my gosh. End quote. (laughs) Literally like a horror movie scene. Yes. Yeah. And like they couldn't mm. stop it. Wow. Scary. Yeah, that'd be. I would flip out. I would run out of there. Yeah. <laughs> or I wouldn't. I'd probably freeze. Burn, burn the house down. I, if I tried to run out, I'd be too scared that there was like, this is a trap. Yeah. This, Very clever this is what they trap. They want me to do. Yes. <laughs> I don't know who they are, but they want me outside. <laughs> so Steve Lee was a practical man. In his mid 30s at this time, he was a trucker originally from Louisiana. He was certain that something out of the norm was happening, but it didn't register to him that these occurrences could have a paranormal explanation. Hmm. Ghosts were really not on the table at this point. Sure. Steve believed that either someone was pulling a prank on his family or that perhaps some locals were like disgruntled at the purchase of the home and were trying to scare them off. Steve was not having it. He said that he had, quote, just enough redneck left, end quote, to do something (laughs) to stop it. So he decided to spare no expense. He bought the most expensive, highest quality security system available at the time, which included cameras that recorded 24 hours a day and motion detection sensors that would trigger alarms. Hmm. If there was any way to stop the hijinks, this would be it. Yeah. That's what he thought. Initially, Steve and Beth did feel a lot better and more safe. And like, maybe this would give them a chance to catch whoever was trying to scare them. Sure. Or make it even more scary. I'm (laughs) assuming. (laughs) You know the drill at this point. Yes. This would turn out to be another point of strangeness. The motion detectors would set off alarms regularly, but there was seemingly nothing and no one there to set them off. The Lees eventually reported this activity to El Paso law enforcement, who told them that they could be being harassed and targeted by locals, but there really wasn't a reason for that Mm -hmm. that anybody could pinpoint. Mm -hmm. Over the course of four years, the Lees would count 62 events that they classified as break-ins, which I'm pretty sure that's just the motion alarms going off by themselves. In four years? That's like more than once a month. Yeah. That's wow, Crazy. In April of 1993, the El Paso County Sheriff's Department officially opened an investigation and would follow up on 45 different events at the Lee home. But still, there was no apparent cause, no solid evidence that any actual crimes were taking place. Hmm. It was weird, but there really wasn't much that police could do about it. Yeah. So it's just a really spooky scenario to be in that you're looking for help saying, please, someone come look at this. Help us figure this out, and no one can. Like, help us make it stop. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So eventually, the sheriff's department pretty much just stopped responding to the Lees when they called for help after a break-in. 
the Lees were in over their heads. They'd spent somewhere around $40,000 on updating equipment, investigating the strangeness, and hiring professional help to aid them on their mission for answers. Mm -hmm. They were running out of money. Wow. They tapped into savings, college funds for their sons, retirement money, and more in an attempt to figure this whole thing out. There was a bit of a divide between Steve and Beth on this weird activity at this point. While Steve was convinced that all of this that was taking place was at the hands of some determined local pranksters or tyrants, Mm -hmm. Beth became increasingly convinced that they were experiencing something paranormal. Wow. So, like I briefly mentioned, after the El Paso police were out, the family hired a private investigator. The PI that they hired brought in his own top-of-the-line gear, complete with super high-quality cameras that they set up all over the home and in different areas on the property. Mm -hmm. What these cameras revealed was startling. In much of the photos and video footage were beams and orbs or balls of light that seemed to streak across each frame. There were translucent faces caught in the reflective items like mirrors and windows around the home. (laughs) Glowing outlines of humanoid shapes and animal shapes. And overall, there was a lot of compelling evidence of the paranormal. So I think I mentioned this again later, but they caught somewhere around 3,000 images of the phenomenon. 3,000. All all in and around the house. Yes. Wow. In 1994, Steve sent the images to Fate magazine. Hmm. The photos appeared in the November 1994 issue of the publication with the title Phantoms on Film. And so whatever images I'm allowed to, I'm going to share them on the Instagram. Okay. Because they are scary. One of the images, (laughs) I think actually you were sitting on the couch while I was working on this, but one of the images with faces in it made me audibly screech. (laughs) Mm. I was like, what is that? So beyond the photos and the videos, these phenomena could sometimes be seen by the naked eye, but most of the time it would be such a quick sighting that if you blink, you miss it. Sure. But the cameras caught plenty. This kind of reminds me of the (sighs) Bell Witch Cave. When they slowed down that footage frame by frame and it appeared like there was a figure Mm -hmm. walking into a door that had opened and closed like super quick. Yeah. Like nobody would have seen it because it was like like a 1.3 second clip or something like very small amount of time. But when they slowed it down, it was like a whole interaction. Wow. It reminds me of that. Like that that immediately came to mind while I was working on this. So it seemed. I just got goosebumps. That's crazy. It's very creepy. (laughs) It seemed that most of the paranormal activity that they were able to capture on film was focused in three areas of the home. The outside wall next to where they had mounted their satellite dish, the master bedroom in the upstairs of the home, and in the living room. Mm. These occurrences (laughs) were happening literally every single day. And when they didn't see or hear or smell it for themselves, the Lees continued to photograph and video it. Finally, Steve and Beth were in agreement. This house is probably seriously haunted. In 1995, Steve sent photos and videos along with a request for help investigating to the television show Sightings, Hmm. which was a paranormal TV show that ran from 1991 through 1998. One of the first steps for the crew at Sightings was to eliminate potential hoaxes and like evidence with natural explanations. They sent the footage to a few different professionals to be analyzed, including Hollywood special effects technician Edson Williams. Hmm. Okay. So Edson Williams is the real deal. He's worked on projects like Stranger Things, Game of Thrones, a ton of different Marvel movies, Titanic. Oh, yeah. Wow. Okay. Like he's got some serious credits. Yeah, he's been around. Yes. And so what I'm getting at is this is not... Like a hack with no credentials. Sure. This is not just like some goofball on a wingnut TV show. (laughs) This is like a professional. Yes. He knows what he's talking about. So what he had told the producers at sightings was that what the Lees had captured would be nearly impossible to duplicate and that many of the images and footage seemed to deny the laws of optics altogether. Hmm. With that, the sightings crew sent a team out to Black Forest to investigate. Wow. Can you imagine being told that by a guy <laughs> who literally makes things yeah, for yeah. a living? Like if it was fake? Well, and it's uh it's just really mind-bending to think it's 
it's hard to comprehend as someone who doesn't work in that kind of a field or mm-hmm. spend much time in, in visuals like that. Cause it just seems like, especially in 2022, 2023, we are able to create so many visual things now. It's like, totally. Oh, we could totally, but to hear that from somebody who does that and who has done that for a long time with a high success yeah. is like, wait, really? Like, yeah. you can't, you can't do it. Like that'd be, that'd be like someone telling me like, Hey, I have an instrument that I've built, but I don't, it's impossible to play. You can't physically play it. Right. Be like, <laughs> what? <laughs> How, why did you build it then? How New is that life possible? goal unlocked. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's an impossible instrument, but I've made it. Yes. Um, <laughs> it's the same kind of thing. Like that's kind of bonkers to think about. Like, yeah, we, we, I can't replicate these. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Hmm. Wild. So one of the members of the crew was paranormal investigator and psychic Echo Bodine from Minneapolis. Echo almost immediately was able to detect over 20 spirits in the home, one of which was described as a threatening male spirit, which was perceived in the living room, who claimed to be the one who owned the home. She described the presence as, quote, responsible for things happening here and considers this to be his place, end quote. The level of activity that she had initially perceived was described as monumental. Hmm. So when they came in, the Lees didn't make the sightings crew aware of where the activity was the most prevalent. So when Echo and crew made their way through the home, the living room was loaded with activity. And she said that the upstairs master bedroom was especially uncomfortable for her. Hmm. She described it as full of spirits and not a restful room. She advised no living person or animal to sleep there. Oh, man. As she said this, the camera that the sightings team had quickly set up on a tripod in the room tipped over and slammed to the ground, seemingly on its own. And another piece of equipment captured a strong electromagnetic interference at the exact same time. Wow. The crew set up thermal imaging cameras and other equipment around the home and quickly captured the image of a male spirit. The one that Echo believed was the bad dude at the helm sort of leading the troops of other spirits in the house. Jeez. So like they caught him on film on like day one. Wow. Huh. Creepy. That is creepy. So this was a lot for the Lees, but at least they were finally getting somewhere with their quest for answers. Right. As is the case in many shows like Sightings, there was an interview portion of the show. Hmm. As Beth was sitting at the kitchen table answering Echo's questions, she was suddenly struck with a feeling like she couldn't breathe, and she felt as though someone was holding her down. Hmm. She then stood up and asked to stop the interview, very obviously upset by what had just happened to her. As Beth staggered away from the table, another crew member named Sherry, who was a backup camera operator, said that she felt, quote, something go into her, end quote. She said that her arms, chest, and legs were completely numb. She fell over and started uncontrollably sobbing, fully believing that something was in the process of trying to possess her body. Good grief thinking on her feet echo instructed sherry to repeat the phrase clear me clear me over and over to protect her and clear her from any paranormal attacks Hmm. she would have another scary moment that was pretty much like the exact same as this one yeah where she felt as if something like something came into her yeah her chest and limbs went numb and then she started crying uncontrollably again so the team grabbed her and moved her off of the property as quickly as they could She did not feel normal at all until she was off of the property completely. Mm -hmm. And to this day, Sherry is 100% convinced that something had tried to possess her. Wow. During this ordeal, cameras and scanners were running. And once again, very strange electromagnetic interference was captured at the same time that Sherry was having a terrified crying outburst. Hmm. So that's like something out of a movie. Yeah. I mean, that's. It, it, it almost feels like a trope. Yeah. Well, and it's transitioning from something that's poltergeisty and just kind of like general ghost story troublemaking mm-hmm. to like, like demons like, and right. like things that, that go a little bit more, a little bit, a little, little, little bit harder. Mm-hmm. They have a more of a purpose than just they have to a like motive cause trouble and make you uncomfortable and frustrated. It's like they actually want to harm you yeah. kind of a thing. Like scary. Yeah. 
So the crew was able to capture footage and other phenomena around the Lee property. This included the strangeness in the bedroom, living room, and outside near the wall where the satellite dish was. Members of the crew all reported seeing strange lights, orbs, shadows, and shadowy figures, as well as audible phenomena like loud thumps and the sounds of footsteps where there were no people walking. Mm. They also used a thermal spectrograph to try and observe any fluctuations in temperature, such as cold spots, that are said to be spirits consuming energy in the room. And since temperature is essentially energy, Mm -hmm. they sort of suck the heat out of the room in that way. So that's what they were looking for. After filming wrapped up, the crew returned to home base, which was in Los Angeles, California. As they reviewed the footage, they came to a pretty strong conclusion. They had definitely captured something out of the norm. And whatever it was, it was not something that could be explained away by anyone's creative effort to stage or manipulate these events. Hmm. They believed that they had captured legitimate paranormal activity. Wow. Two weeks after they'd left, Steve began having frequent excruciating headaches, which were paired with an abnormal golf ball-sized lump on his forehead that was swollen and painful to touch. He went to the hospital, and after a series of tests, doctors could not only find no source for the headaches apart from the mysterious lump, but they also couldn't really explain the lump itself. Mm. There were no cuts, bruises, cysts, infections, etc. All the doctors could really do to help Steve was to treat the pain. At this same time, crew members at sightings discovered something in an image that they'd taken. In the image was Steve. Also in the image was a long, dagger-like streak of light pointing directly at the spot on Steve's forehead where the painful lump had formed. Weird. So what was that? Oh, what? That, like, made me nauseous earlier when I was, ugh. Uh, what? They sent it to him like, hey, man. <laughs> hey, you probably should move out of your house. <laughs> like, Scary. Oh, Health wow. problems. When you bring health problems into it, I immediately am like, I get like the heebie-jeebies about mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Like skin crawly. So six months after the sightings crew had been in the home, another psychic was brought into the home to have a look around. This guy was named Peter James. And so he made his way into the home. Some reports say that the Lees contacted Peter James on their own, and other sources say that Peter James was invited to come along with the sightings crew. I'm not sure Mm -hmm. which one is the case, but either way, he went to the home. So as he walked around, Peter described feeling as if there was someone wrapping themselves around his legs as he moved. He pointed out three main areas of concern in the home. The living room, the master bedroom, and the outside wall where the satellite was mounted. So we have that little theme popping up again. We're three for three on that. As he continued through the home, Peter pointed out a very strong chemical odor that left his eyes and throat burning. And then he suddenly asked the family if the name Howard meant anything to them. Hmm. Steve and Beth just sort of like looked at each other in shock for a minute. Yes, the name Howard definitely meant something to them. Steve would later say, quote, there's no way on God's earth he could have known about Howard, end quote. Oh. So Howard was a dear friend of the Lees. Beth called him her adopted granddaddy for the last 10 years. I'm pretty sure that Howard was alive at this point, just as a side note. But the connection was sort of made between what the Lees told Peter next and sure. the strong chemical odor in the home. Okay. In the 1960s, Howard's son, Howard Jr., had died of a drug overdose after he and his best friend, who worked in a pharmacy owned by the friend's father, were using drugs together. Oh. Drugs that Howard Jr.'s friend had stolen. Hmm. Peter James believed that Howard Jr. was trying to make contact with the Lees so that they could talk to, like, to his father and oh. tell him what really happened. Hmm. Very mysterious. Okay. So Peter claimed that when he made contact with the spirit of Howard Jr., that the spirit told him to tell his father that he had not died of a drug overdose, but that he had been murdered. Hmm. He went on to say that Howard's friend's father had killed him after being caught stealing the drugs from his place of work. Oh. He claimed that the smell was coming from the disgruntled spirit of their dear friend's deceased son, who had like he did have apparently a lot of drugs in his system. Sure. And that caused a chemical smell, I guess. Hmm. So that was his explanation. 
That is quite an explanation. Once again, feels movie like. Yes, and it's yeah, it's like the the twist, like two thirds of the way through the movie, you weren't expecting that. You're like, what? I didn't. What? Huh? Yeah, what? I was actually <laughs> murdered. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. I don't know how I feel about that. I have not been able to find really anything verifiable. I haven't found a last name for Howard. Sure. sure. Uh, I could have missed it. I didn't find any obituaries. Mm-hmm. So I didn't dig that deeply into it. And so if somebody has that and wants to share it with us, I'll happily read that and pass it along. But yeah, that was what Peter James said. <laughs> Interesting. So as the questions continued, the Lees were becoming increasingly upset by this revelation, if that's what you want to call it. Sure. Peter James went on to explain his theory as to what was really happening in the home. And here's where things are going to get even weirder. So... Hang on. (laughs) Okay. Peter believed that Howard Jr. had entered a, quote, rift in space-time, end quote, on the Lee property in order to make contact with them, and that in doing so, he'd become part of what Peter described as a powerful psychic energy vortex that seemed to be concentrated in the closet of the master bedroom. What? We'll talk more about the closet later, but I would (laughs) like to hear your thoughts on all of the many words I just said. Yes. I'm honestly, I'm waiting for the Warrens to show up. That's, right. that's, what, that's what I'm anticipating at some point. Ed, to, for the, yeah. Lorraine. All right. Or get come, on come, come on in. See what's, <laughs> see what's next. See how many different, different uh, demons you can pull out of this place. We are, we are legion for we are many. That's yeah, for like, real. Yeah. For real. <laughs> that's where my brain goes. Yeah. This is creepy. Um, what do you think about a powerful psychic energy vortex and a rift in the space time? Uh, there's a lot of words to that. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I think, mm. I mean, I, I, I do think about the several other episodes we have now where there's a, and you, you talked about this with the, the bell, witch the cave, bell witch cave mm-hmm. that there could be places that would be essentially bridges from mm-hmm. one, uh, world to another, basically. Yeah. And I don't think that that's, unreasonable just to say like there could be a spot and then there happens to be a house built upon that spot. Right. Um, especially, you know, you're talking about raising lands to make it mm-hmm. level to put a house there. Mm-hmm. You don't know what was specifically in that uh, altitude and location. Mm-hmm. Like if at one point where exactly that closet is, was a small cave or something mm-hmm. like that doesn't seem th- though it seems crazy it definitely seems like otherworldly and right all that um it's not out of the question i don't right. think i think really nothing is out of the question <laughs> yeah. i feel like i learn that more all the time especially when i read stories like this yeah where it's like if i'm taking this at face value and that everything that the lee said and the sightings crew said happened. Uh, and it and it's true. What a world. <laughs> right. What a world we live in, yeah. you know? Yeah, it's why it, wouldn't there be a rift in space time? Yeah. I mean, why not? A yeah. portal, sure. It doesn't have to go all the way to even a suspension of disbelief. Mm-hmm. It it just has to be a willingness to say that there are things we don't understand. Totally. And that's I think that's totally fine. Now the critique that I might have. Sure. That would be, I don't have any like real uh, expertise in this area to have a legitimate critique, but I would just wonder why Howard Jr. Like right. why, why would he have such a connection to this space? Right. That he would, you know, be attached to the closet of the master bedroom. Right. Like, why wouldn't he just connect with somebody closer to where he died? Right. You know, so it begs a few questions like that. That would be like, right. well, why here and now? But yeah. There's a lot of skeptics too about just the presence of Peter James. Like we don't sure, know. Sure. Did the sightings crew debrief him? And so he had time to come up with the story. Is yeah. he legitimate? Maybe he is. Maybe yeah. he legitimately sensed all these things and mm-hmm. made contact with someone who told him that story. Maybe. But the one big point for the skeptics is that a lot of people don't totally trust Echo or Peter James or any of the other 
psychics that were brought yeah, on the property. Sure. So that's just a little aside. That's fair. I, psychics are 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 definitely uh, an element to the story that it's not that they take away from the legitimacy. Sure. But there's just so much wrapped up in having a psychic around, mm-hmm. you know, it's there's the like thing. an immediate like flag of skepticism that I feel like pops up for m- many, many, many mm-hmm. people when you hear the word psychic, yeah. whether that's warranted or not. Right. I don't a- know. Any sort of cl- clairvoyance is going to mm-hmm. be like, oh, but really, you know, yeah. <laughs> so it, it, it's uh, because it puts too much power in the hands of that person to just mm-hmm. make claims. And we've all seen the snake oil salesman and mm-hmm. we've all seen these kinds of uh, frustrating stories of people who just are really good guessers. Yeah. Um, because they know what to look for, how to read people, how to, you know, draw out just enough information to put together a really compelling story. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's hard to say that it's easier to believe a bunch of people who are basing their thoughts uh, off of camera footage. Right. I'm like, more compelled by the footage. For yes, sure. exactly. But for sure. to totally discredit anything from people who claim psychic abilities mm-hmm. would also be a little bit like closed minded, considering the fact that we're saying there might be things you don't understand. Right. And sometimes we need to be right willing now. to like leave it there. Yeah. And like just stop and accept that we don't actually know everything there is to know. Yeah. So jumping back in, the sightings crew came back again a full year after their first visit to the Lee house. Peter James also joined them on this trip. And this time they decided to primarily focus on the master bedroom on like mapping out if Peter's very weird vortex in the closet theory had any merit. Hmm. On this trip, they were able to capture more of the strangeness once again. When they zoomed their focus in on the bedroom, they noticed that a lot of the activity was focused on a small area near the opening of the closet, um, also on the dresser in the room and the mirror in the room that was over 100 years old. Hmm. So it could be the mirror and not the closet, I would just like to say. Maybe it's the old (laughs) mirror. Yeah. (laughs) It could be. So they captured more images and videos of orbs, streaks of light, figures that were either shadowy or had a glowing outline, as well as some more of those really scary faces. Scary we'll talk faces. about the faces again. Yeah, okay. okay. If I'm allowed to share photos of the faces, I'm sharing them because they are so creepy. Yeah. So at this time, the crew consulted with a shaman of the Hopi tribe to get his opinion on the activity. Yeah. So when this guy came in and observed the activity for himself, he also believed that the family was living in a home where one of three known vortexes exist. And he referred to these as rainbow vortexes. Hmm. So one of the articles that I read for this story described a rainbow vortex like this. Quote, simply put, if simple can be applied to this complex issue here, (laughs) it is a gateway between the living and the dead worlds a place where the laws of physics allow the dead to pass into the living world and where the living can connect with the dead, end quote. Hmm. The other two locations where it's believed that there are rainbow vortexes are at a private residence in London and one in Arizona, just as a side note. Hmm. Other places would say that there's more, but there's like marked differences between the type of activity Uh at those ones. I don't understand the difference if I'm being real. Yeah. So if this Hopi shaman and Peter James are to be believed, we are looking at a completely anomalous phenomenon, unknown and unstudied by modern science. If this is true, if a rainbow vortex is an actual thing, could it be the explanation for the activity in the home? Wow. I mean, possibly if it's a real thing. Yeah. That would kind of make sense considering how weird all of the activity is and all of the things that they see, I feel like the photos will really illustrate Yeah, okay. that point. <clears throat> I, I do think it's in the same vein of Bell Witch mm-hmm. and um, Skinwalker Ranch and places like that, that a lot of high strangeness is happening. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it just seems like there's a lot. I mean, we've already talked about psychics. Uh, mm-hmm. A shaman is essentially just another form of that for, from another culture um, to oversimplify it. And 
these are all different kinds of the same group of people saying a lot of the same things. And I'm, I'm just curious, like how, how the different theories maybe overlap. Sure. Cause it's for, for a, a rainbow, what was it? A rainbow vortex, vortex, a rainbow vortex versus, uh, a, a, a gate. Like what Peter James was saying, kind mm-hmm. of a concept or and, a portal. Yeah. Portal. All these sorts of things. It's just there's there's overlapping similarities and then there's um, maybe some different spiritual implications and differences sure. between the two people or the two groups. Mm-hmm. Um, I said it jokingly earlier, but I'm sure if you brought in a Lorraine Warren who mm-hmm. who uh, claimed clairvoyance that, you know, she would have an, even a, a similar but different take mm-hmm. of of. Yeah, I'm just curious what that would look like if yeah. you overlapped all these different theories from different religious and uh, cultural contexts, and different would, convictions, yeah, and that kind of thing. Yeah, that okay. What are the things that they all agree on? Yeah, this kind of stuff. Okay. Yeah. So it, it, set it, up it like a some panel. Questions. Yeah, yeah, basically set up a panel with yeah. people of different worldviews and different backgrounds that have come to the same conclusion or similar conclusion on something, mm-hmm. and just have them like just talk. <laughs> Right. And I'll just sit there with a little notebook. (laughs) So when Peter spoke of the property on the sighting show, he said, quote, there is an energy here unlike any I've ever experienced in all the years I've investigated anomalous activity. Wow. So the Black Forest is indeed a very important place that should be further investigated, end quote. As 1997 rolled around, the Lees had spent somewhere around $70,000 investigating the strangeness in their home. Collecting 400 videos, along with the 3,000-some images of what they believed to be evidence of the paranormal. They brought in psychics, priests and pastors, shamans, paranormal investigators, scientists, experts in quantum (laughs) physics, and specialists of all kinds, which I will talk more about some of those individual key players who have visited throughout the years towards the end. Okay. So over the course of many years, they captured what I've mentioned already, along with some other very creepy things. So I'm just going to kind of rapid fire list some of those off. Okay. They've captured red, yellow, and white light forms, apparitions of a little girl, of an old lady, of a large man wearing clothing from the 1800s, as well as disembodied voices, sometimes a single voice and sometimes multiple voices speaking in unison. Oh, that's the worst one so far. Okay. Hundreds upon hundreds of faces in the mirror, each of them marked with facial expressions that can be described as afraid, in pain, forlorn, sad, angry, or threatening. One of my favorite things that they captured was what appeared to be a flying dog. (laughs) When the Lees were asked about the images that appeared to be of a flying dog, they were asked if they knew anything about that or if they'd ever seen it before. And while they hadn't seen it for themselves before then, they believed that it was their dog who they had loved dearly but had sadly passed away. Oh, my gosh. They were pretty positive that the images of the flying dog was just theirs coming to visit them. (laughs) Interestingly, the image of a flying dog has been captured by many visitors on the property, so it doesn't sound like it's Mm. going anywhere anytime soon. (laughs) So that one was nice. I was like, we'll end on a nice note. That one's one's almost a feel-good fact. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) you can just slap that on a feel-good fact. Uh, So when asked why the family didn't just cut their losses and sell their home in an attempt to get away from such occurrences, Beth said, quote, because we want it solved and we want to keep our house. Until you walk in our shoes, you won't understand. Mainly, though, I just want a normal life again so we can get on with our lives. Yeah. End quote. Which I get. Yeah. I feel like that would be a hard call to make. Like actually trying to put yourself in someone's shoes that is living through an experience like this. Yeah. I would probably be too scared to stick it out. (laughs) Just being real. Yeah. But I do understand the idea of like, this is our house. And I actually want to know what's going on. Like, what is happening? Can we figure this out? Hmm. So I do understand both sides of that thought. Yeah. So let's talk theories here. And it'll be throughout most of this next bit that I'll talk about some of the findings and opinions of some of the 30 or so experts who have visited and studied the property. Yeah. Over 30 experts, Hmm. which is crazy. 
So the first theory is that Peter James and the shaman were both correct. That rainbow vortexes not only exist, but that that is what is responsible for the terrifying and extremely strange activity on the property. I'm not going to dive any further into that because there's really just straight up not much more that I haven't already tried to explain. Well, I'll add with the dog thing. (laughs) If, uh, If there's a rainbow bridge... Oh, I didn't even think of the and, rainbow bridge. Yeah, and it's similar to a rainbow That's vortex. That's what it is. Yeah. It's just that other people can like cross too, and they might not all be nice. Right. But the rainbow bridge. Yeah, but, <laughs> but the puppies. <laughs> but the puppies. <laughs> yeah, so. Uh, that's a great thought. Thank you for that. Yeah, yeah. I'm just trying to make this as feel good as possible now. We're <laughs> <laughs> just on a roll tonight with the feel good. So along that same line of thinking is that, stick with me for a minute. It's that the property is situated on a warp in space-time. There's a man named Gary Hart, who is a hyperdimensionalist studies expert who came up with this theory. Hmm. He believes that a space-time warp can happen in a focused location, and that it's at these locations where paranormal activity seems to be the highest and most observable. A space-time or a time-space warp is basically a dimensional twist that allows people from different times and potentially from different dimensions to travel between worlds. Hmm. The idea is that time as we know it doesn't exist how we think it does, but that it's in its own category altogether, and that when linear time is warped, energies from different times and places can move and interact. Oh, okay. Does that make sense? Yes, I've heard of this. It's, It's... I think it's described with a visual of like time is linear, like a piece of paper, but there are locations where you can fold that piece of paper back into itself. Yes. And so 100%. When, they, when they overlap. It's a Jeremy Bear me, baby. It's a Jeremy Bear me. <laughs> <laughs> yes. The time knife. Um, <laughs> We've all seen it. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's yeah. actually the perfect analogy. Yeah, so that's that's another theory. Yeah. Those two, I feel like, kind of go hand in hand. Yeah. They don't feel that different to me. And I'm probably, like, really dumb for saying that. Well, one, I think one, the 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 time warp thing is basically saying that because time isn't always linear, that it's, these things can't, they're essentially happening at the same time. right. And so it's not that there's an, an old dead world and then a not yet created future world. It's that they are actually physically happening at the same time on the same plane in the same location. Totally. Yeah. That makes sense to me. Yeah. Some people believe that there is a geological explanation. The main thought here is that perhaps the land that the home sits on is above some type of stone or like crystallization of some kind mm-hmm. that might attract certain energies. And that if we follow this down the line, the spirits weren't like materialized or invited here necessarily, but that the presence of some geological material attracted them there. Yeah. And then okay. they just kind of like hang around. Sure. From what I could find, there have been no digs or anything done to verify or explore this theory much further. Sure. But there is an expert who sort of went down this road. An electromagnetics expert named Bill Gibbons, who is often consulted on hauntings, weighed in on the property. Okay. So this guy is considered an expert in debunking hoaxes. Hmm. Okay. Like fra- yeah. any fraudulent thing, he can sniff it out. Yeah. He can also offer natural explanations in instances like this one if there is a natural explanation to be found. Hmm. So he came in and swept the house to see if maybe there was something causing an electrical malfunction in the house. Like Mm-hmm. considering the lights seeming to freak out in the images and videos sure. of yeah. all the streaks and orbs and that kind of stuff. Yeah. But despite being totally ready to expose the Lees as frauds, he himself witnessed a string of inexplicable things. He was so compelled by what he'd experienced and witnessed in the home that he came back multiple times trying to figure out if there's an actual source for the activity. Hmm. He's one of the people who believes that there's something stationary under the home that's attracting the attention of the spirits living there. Interesting. Yeah. At some point, he planned to bring in ground sonar and spectrum analyzers in an attempt to like track it. Mm -hmm. But I wasn't able to find if he'd actually done that or if he'd just like made plans to do that. Yeah. But what he did say about his experience was this, quote, 
I saw spectacular light shows that could be seen with the naked eye. It's an extremely active site, and there's nothing that Steve or his wife are doing to cause this. Hmm. End quote. Wow. So there's that. Another theory is that this is a hoax. Whether or not the Lees had anything to do with it is not agreed upon necessarily by believers of this theory. But they believe that despite the thousands of images and videos, that whatever the Lees did capture there is not real or at Mm. least not paranormal. Sure. There's not really much else (laughs) to go off of with this theory. But I'm inclined to think that it would be a pretty extravagant hoax to pull off if so many experts of like all different kinds Like, we've got the special effects guy or Gibbons who literally specializes in exposing fraudulent paranormal claims. Like, these guys couldn't debunk it. Yeah. It sounds like that's just, like, the cynics, like, wild card that they just like to throw out. It's a hoax. It's a hoax. Okay, how, how? You have to prove that it's not a hoax. Okay. (laughs) Well, shoot. we're, We're trying. We're trying to do that. That's what we're doing. We're trying to do both. And right. we can't. We can't prove either way. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh, that's funny. Well, there are also plenty of theories about cults or black magic practitioners, UFOs and extraterrestrials, sure. etc. Yeah. That kind of like have a hand, but none of these have been proven either. Mm-hmm. Our final theory actually comes to us from Steve Lee himself. Steve has become less convinced that there are ghosts on his land and in his home, but that a different invasion is responsible for the strangeness. Steve believes that the military are running secret weapons testing in the Black Forest and that his home and his family have been being used as human guinea pigs in the military's testing of those weapons. Oh, wow. He said, quote, I truly think the U.S. government has a hand in this. I don't think any one individual could get away with this for this period of time without getting caught. The government does testing out here that has military implications, end quote. Hmm. He believes that the government is testing out the effectiveness of tools such as laser holograms and biological weapons that could be used in psychological warfare. He claims to have seen people in military uniforms carrying some like serious guns on his property multiple times and had even tried to photograph them so much that his neighbor who lives a ways away from the lee house actually filed a restraining order to keep steve from taking pictures that might include portions of the neighbor's property wow (laughs) so he's like out there all the time yeah steve thinks that the chemical smell could be explained as some unknown chemical that the military sprayed on the property as part of their testing He thinks that it was the government who figured out how to hack the electricity on the property and that it was them who was flipping the lights and appliances on and off. He claimed to have been followed by men in military uniforms, um, apparently so much so that Steve and his family were followed when they made a trip to Steve's mother-in-law's home in Gunnison, Colorado, Hmm. and to his father's home all the way in Louisiana. Jeez. While no surveillance or any other like more solid indicator of military involvement has been found, this is a pretty popular theory. Hmm. In the years that followed the investigations, the Lees acquired more of the surrounding land in the Black Forest. They owned around 20 acres that included two more homes. And in 2010, they listed the whole property for sale. Mm-hmm. They had this whole thing written up for potential buyers to read. And one part of it includes this, quote, The Lee estate is tranquil, serene, and at the same time, disturbing. The Lees want to sell their property to a unique buyer who values the extraordinary paranormal, spiritual, and mystical qualities of this location. Free of covenants, this site could be an ideal research training ground for paranormal investigators or a thrill-seeker vacation spot, a ghost camp, if you will. Adding to its infamous reputation as the Black Forest haunting, there have been three deaths on the property since 2007. Oh, wow. End quote. So I couldn't find anything about the three additional deaths, but that's one heck of a property description. Yeah. (laughs) From what I could find, nobody has bought the home, and it's currently off market according to every single realtor website that I could find. My goodness. But yeah, I mean, that's a pretty unique listing. Yeah. If I ever heard of one. Yes. <laughs> so I wonder, I mean, I looked on every realtor website that I could find and mm-hmm. like apps and stuff. And I'm like, okay, it does not appear that anybody's bought it. All of the like last sold mm-hmm. entries said 19, the 1990s. Yeah. So either way, 
A property like that is definitely not for everyone. Sure. <laughs> As for the Lees, I could not find anything else about them either. I'm mm. not sure if they still like live on the property, if maybe they just like own it or like what the deal is mm-hmm. with that. But the sort of like sense of normal that the Lees had to embrace was the fact that their home was at the center of something mysterious and yeah. oftentimes very terrifying. Yeah. A normal that they chose to settle into and ride the wave of. Yeah. Steve said, quote, it would scare other people, but it doesn't scare us. It's kind of a normal way of life now, end quote. Mm -hmm. And that's what I have for you this week. Wow. Wow. Yeah, that is definitely the most, one of the most haunted places that I've ever heard of. Mm -hmm. Um, And it only really ranks up there with a couple others that we've talked about on this podcast. Mm -hmm. So I'm like. With the qualification that if everything that we do know about it is legitimate. Of course. Sure. I've always got to be the jerk who makes the qualifying statement. Here's the thing. Even if there are like fake, if if, if there's hoaxes going on, Mm -hmm. those hoaxes are so horrifying. Yeah. And then so well put together. They should run like the coolest haunted house ever. Like attraction haunted house ever. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, that is the Black Forest haunting. Wow. Well, Thank you so much to everybody for listening to the unusual, unsettling, and unsavory story today. Definitely unsettled. I am unsettled mm-hmm. beyond recognition. I, feel I would like. also call this very unusual. That's yes. going to be my vote. I'm going to vote unusual. Okay. 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 I see that. I yeah. see that. I respect you, it. Yeah. If you have an opinion, <laughs> please let us know in the comments of our Instagram or Facebook posts mm-hmm. on this episode. Also, make sure that you follow us on Instagram and TikTok at This One Is A Doozy and on Facebook, This One's A Doozy Podcast. Whatever you listen on, whatever platform, Spotify, Apple Music, whatever, um, make sure that you're subscribed and that you leave a glowing five-star review because those reviews help other people find this podcast as well. And lastly, there's a, a great way for you to connect with us via Patreon. How can they do that, my dear? Yes. So you can follow the link in our Instagram bio or in our Facebook about section, or you can search this one's a doozy podcast on the Patreon website or app. And for $5 a month, you can support what we're doing here. Mm -hmm. Everybody who subscribes on Patreon is also able to access polls where you can decide episode topics and vote on our monthly charity our monthly giving. So sometimes it'll be maybe a memorial fund. Other times it'll be a charity just causes that we believe in. So mm-hmm. hop on over there if you want to learn more about that. And this Thursday, we will announce who we are giving to for the month of January. Yay. That's fun. Yes. Love that. Well, thank you so much for listening. We will see you later this week for another doozy. Thank you. Bye. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.
What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.